In the depths of COVID, I am very excited to have none other than Matt Corker joining me today. Hi, bro. Hey. I'm so overseeing you on Zoom, and I can't wait for you to be in real life. I think it's important to just acknowledge that I haven't given you a physical hug since February. Like that it's feels- the middle of April when we're recording this or end of April when we're recording this. And that blows my mind. It feels like the longest in my life other than when you were doing your MBA, perhaps. Yeah. When I was living in Copenhagen, I saw yeah. you in four months, but at least I knew that you weren't in the same time zone. And like there was some, there was something nice about that yeah. of being physically distant geographically. And now I'm like, you literally are two blocks away. This is crazy. I, yeah, gosh, remember doing your MBA? We didn't have Zoom. I don't even think we had video chat then. No, we totally didn't. We had to schedule phone calls. And I would call you at 2 a.m. with crazy news. (laughs) Well, it's timely because here we are now and I really appreciate our time to riff both on the podcast and obviously as we're keeping the business running and several of our conversations have really struck me and I've said, bro, I want to get this on a podcast because I think we're all experiencing COVID in different cycles with different feelings and different points in time. I know last week I had a serious case of the grumpies and I felt like I experienced every emotion in the rainbow in five days and it was nuts. And you have, it feels like, have really handled this in a steady and steadfast way and yet experienced it all. You haven't shied away from any of these experiences. And so I wanted to have you as a guest on your podcast today about the experience of COVID. And that's what we're going to riff on. Thank you for saying that I've been handling it well. And I think that I can echo the fact of like feeling angry and feeling sluggish and feeling irritable. And all of these things have been definitely experiences of mine. And my consistent practice is to practice what I preach. And so finding ways to recover faster, finding ways to be more responsible, that is the practice that I'm in. And so it's nice to be walking the talk, if you will. Like I am experiencing anger. And so then what do I do with anger? When I experience being sluggish, what do I do with feeling sluggish? And sometimes that may mean different technique or tactic than I would have used previously prior to this experience. Something that was really, I'm going to circle back, but a random tangent. I was talking to physio through telehealth and he was saying that his patients or his clients were coming to him with things that have never been experienced in their body before. Like it was random. It wasn't a tweak because of a workout. It was just like, there's this random pain all of a sudden or this irritation or discomfort. And it can't go unacknowledged that in the world right now is a certain level of stress and anxiety just by going out of your own apartment or sometimes being in your own apartment or your own home. And that added level of anxiety and stress is actually living in our bodies and has a place in our, in our systems and our physical systems. And so even our physiotherapists are noticing those changes. 
I say all this in that in this time, I've also become a huge student of the authors and the people who have published research around grief cycles and how do we adapt through change, whether it be organizational or personal change. I've always been a student and addicted to the, the research around personal transformation. And so one of the things that we're talking to our clients about is what are the seven stages through uncertainty? Because they echo grief, they echo a change management process, they echo all these things, but it's quite different to lead through those stages. And how do I support my team? And how do I support my family? And what's needed during the different stages? And I think that that actually is like the secret for me. Because it's like, oh, when I'm angry, or when I'm frustrated, or when I find that I'm like, want to get somewhere that requires a different level of leadership, both of myself and other people. Then when I'm like, all right, I'm ready to create and I'm thinking ahead of possibility and I have this momentum and excitement of what the future holds that also requires different leadership. So when we know the stage we're in, then we're able to lead through those stages rather than just be impacted by them. Mm. Well, I don't know where basic needs fall on the seven stages, but I really want to riff with you on like the basic ways in which you've coped in life. And perhaps you can share with us your feelings of where you are at in the cycle in each Mm. of these domains along the way. So I want to start with the number one is food. And it's food because, of course, your husband loves to cook. You're a great foodie family. But you also, prior to COVID, would have lunches delivered for you and would, you know, totally support many restaurants. You and, you know, Chad were on the road, were busy, busy bees and getting food in many different places. And that came to a grinding halt. And so I want to know your relationship with food, your relationship with restaurants, and how you're staying connected with your friends over food during this time. Mm. And I think like before even diving in, it's like recognizing we are in a very privileged space to be able to both still have jobs. So I'm like my husband and I are still working. We also are privileged in the sense that we're not working in frontline offices. So our work is not impacted negatively, I would say, by the the crisis and the pandemic. So we're not on the front line. Neither of us are at risk. There's a lot of like privilege that goes on with that. And so it's not the same. We also don't have kids yet running around our house. And that may be a different story for people listening that have kids. So I just want to be like, yeah, here's a slice and I'll be as honest as I can. And it's not like, I don't want to glorify it. It's just like a very privileged perspective. We were super busy, meaning our schedules were packed. And what that usually meant is that we found faster ways and more convenient ways of eating before. And so whether it was we'd still support our local restaurants, we would still go and get takeout from certain places, but it was always a grab and go. And that actually lent itself well to what we're now experiencing where restaurants are becoming grocery stores and they have, like, I love Turf's packs that they have. It's like, here's your date night. Here's your Taco Tuesday kit. And I'm like, that's what grocery stores really could be advancing because we're used to ordering off menus. And now the only places that are really providing food in bulk are restaurants slash grocery stores. And so how your question was, how are we supporting those? We're really slowing down. We're slowing down in how we cook, in what we cook. We cook bigger meals that we can keep. 
for longer. We plan out our meals for the week so that we're not doing as many grocery shops. And that's just a different cadence for us around food. What we also know is that we have done a number of different things to stay connected with people while, like while we're cooking because we've done a food swap, meaning we make a dish and uh, another couple makes a dish and we switch. And then since we then have their dish, like physical dish, we have to make something in that dish to return it to them. And so we get two meals out of it and it's a really cool way. We've also done like a potluck style delivery. (laughs) So I have a group of friends that were all kind of in like one line along um, a street in Vancouver and one person made the main, one person made the side and another person made the dessert. And we made enough for five people and we delivered Um, I drove my car and like dropped the containers off to each one along the way. And so we all had this like really nice, um, I think it was actually Easter. We had like this really nice Easter meal and we all jumped on Zoom and ate it together. And it was a a cool way to still stay connected. And there's like the typical uh, way of like, we're eating at our kitchen table. That's a lie. We haven't eaten at our, we've eaten at our kitchen table once. We sit on the couch and eat (laughs) dinner there. But we, when we're eating, we would just turn on FaceTime or someone and just have like dinner with another friend. Yes, because your kitchen has turned into another office. And so living rooms have turned into dining rooms and social quarters. And that's just what you do. You got it. And it's interesting because the idea of, you know, I work at the kitchen table, Chad works in our, in our like little office area. And so then when it comes time to to eat, I don't want to go back to where I've been working all day. So it's actually like, I don't want to sit at the dinner table to eat because that's the office. (laughs) Yeah. So rooms and compartments, totally. And Zoom. Thank goodness in this case for Zoom to dine with friends and have dinner with friends. And I mean, I think it's simple pleasures. And I was saying how I don't feel like I've been aware of how often I thought about just going out and grabbing food and grabbing a smoothie and grabbing something and now not doing that. I feel so conscious of what I'm eating and I feel so aware of like what goes into having the food available to make the smoothie. And I really like it. So I hope some of these patterns will not get lost. And, you know, while life might speed up again, I I find myself holding on to my relationship with food right now in a way that I hope will stay true. I recognize that you eat, like you consume a lot. I don't want to call them like specialty items, but there's a lot of like supplements and like potions that you consume to make sure that you keep healthy as an athlete. And I'm wondering how that has shifted. Like, are you still getting them? Have you had to like improvise? What does that look like? Well, my potions beautifully stated supplements. I have actually had in like bulk supply or enough supply. Some are sponsored. So I have like cases of things. And otherwise I have gone to the juice truck in Vancouver and bought jars of things to be adding in. And maybe it just hasn't gone on long enough, but there's been no shortage of supply. The other thing is that I haven't done this myself, but Amazon has kept all essential services available for like immediate shipment. So food, vitamins, any of those things are still available on Amazon for prime shipping. So I haven't gotten to a place of consuming everything, which I guess also goes to show just how much abundance 
I, I have, I don't, I haven't realized how much I, I have. The, all, the other thing though, is that when you're consuming only at home, you realize the difference of eating out versus eating in. Let's move on from food. That was your warm up. Next up is fitness. And I think it's impacted both of us undeniably in huge ways. You are one of Vancouver's most favorite yoga teachers and having classes that are full at various studios obviously shifted dramatically when all of a sudden your office also became your yoga studio. (laughs) And whether that is Zoom or Instagram Live, from a teacher perspective, your classes changed. And also as a student, because you are a student of classes in Vancouver, you had personal training sessions and all of those things shifted. So I want to know, yeah, give us the Matt Corker spiel on fitness studios that had brick and mortar spaces, that had communities, that had people showing up on mats in spaces to sweat together, all gone online. So personally, one of the things that I really valued about being able to teach in a studio was the fact that the people showing up to a studio, yoga especially, is free and available online. You can go into YouTube right now and click 45-minute yoga class, and there are plenty of free yoga classes. And this was even pre-COVID. And so the reason why I loved teaching was because people were coming for something more than just the forms, just the breathing practices, just the meditation. Those were always available to them. They were coming for community. They were coming for connection. They were coming for that sense of accountability. There was something else about a class. And I would even say, like, I would even thank people at the beginning of my class because I'm like, I know you don't have to be here. Like, you can get it for free. So thanks for showing up. And I really miss people in the flesh. I really miss teaching. And I will be the first to say, like, sometimes teaching online is very disenfranchising because I'm teaching to a computer screen. I'm not teaching to another heartbeat. I can't see people's bodies as well. It's a totally different experience. And I'll be the first to say it sucks. It can be so cool to see you on Zoom. This is great. And in comparison to real life, it sucks. And what gets me so inspired is talking to some of the studios that I have worked out in and also are just like good friends with and seeing how they're pivoting. And what they're clear on is that people are outfitting their homes with yoga mats, with weights, with kettlebells, with resistance bands and TRX bands. And people are getting used to, okay, how do I move safely at home with the space that I have and the equipment that I may be available to me? And studios are seeing that and they're like, okay, how do we A, keep home workouts available and ready for you? But also when you're able to go back to a physical space, what does that actually look like and, and why? Um, And I think the Peloton model of fitness is actually going to take off more where, yes, there's going to be group classes. Yes, there's going to be fitness where we can all come together, but it'll also be either live broadcast or recorded so that if you're at home swinging a kettlebell or doing a TRX pull, there's an instructor that's like, Matt, I see you there. It's your 50th class with us. Way to go. Keep moving at home. We're so glad you're there. Because to your point, as a student of yoga, one of the coolest things that I've loved is I, you know, I've taught in Copenhagen and with the Sacred Fig in Bali and Portugal, and I have got to meet an incredible number of teachers from New York and London and all over the world. And I get to practice with them now. 
So I get to take my favorite teacher's classes that I would have never been able to take before because they're offering online. And so I think that there's something about the following is no longer about your local studio. It's about your like favorite local teachers. And the idea of a studio is now just needs to be like a broader perspective. Hmm. Yeah. I, but you also teach. So like what's been your experience? You're, you used to teach indoor cycling. And so what's been your experience being on a bike inside? Yeah. So I was at Method and I know Method is working really hard to see how to, you know, change over the studio landscape. They rented out all of their bikes. They started Method classes at home. So there's video recordings of Method classes. And I've really enjoyed and appreciated being able to still ride outside. It's obviously not the same without riding in a group or with all of your favorite people, but when possible, I've appreciated riding outside. And I have appreciated riding inside. There are different platforms, Zwift being one of them that you can ride with other people inside. And I actually have resorted to Zoom and I have Zoom calls with my friends and we each do our own ride. And it really is just a chance to chat and suffer and sweat together. And what I've got out of this is I would much rather be riding with my friends outside. And if I can't, then I appreciate being able to go for a ride with people. Like if that means we're on Zoom together, then I want to be on Zoom together. I have found it harder later in the day. So it's easier for me to wake up and jump on Zoom on my bike. But by five o'clock, I don't want to jump on my bike on another Zoom call. I feel done with Zoom for the day. And that's when I find myself getting grouchy that there are certain things that aren't possible anymore or relying on technology. And like you, I share your sentiments. Like, it sucks. I, I want to be with people in the flesh. And I want to get rained on together. I want to giggle when you get a flat tire. All of the things that, you know, previously I might have gotten frustrated by, I feel like I have a new level of of empathy for. And I get, you know, making the best of the situation. And there are people doing phenomenal things. I had a friend that rode 180 kilometers on her bike on Saturday. That's amazing. You know, we know an ultra runner that ran 100 miles in 22 hours on a treadmill. That's bonkers. That's so wild. I don't want to do any of that. That's crazy. And so... I think way to go if you can thrive in this. And I just constantly come back to like, why do you show up in the first place? And let that be true. And, you know, I've really been in my own place around races being canceled. And so what is the motivation to show up? And I think about studios and really creating a reason to show up every day because races will get canceled and studios will shift. And so how do you stay super true to why you're showing up? Okay, for everyone listening, I think for maybe the last, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 13 years, I have always known Steph Corker's start line and finish lines. Like even the ones that you were like, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to go do this race. Like I knew the public ones, I knew the secret ones, I knew every start line. And there has not been a year in the last 13 years that there has not been a public or secret start line that you were chasing. And now, 2020, the start lines have evaporated. And I'm like, 
how are you? <laughs> what is going on? You're not wrong. I was just going to say, bro, I wish I had secret start lines to tell you about. And my work has actually been in completely surrendering because start lines, my secret start lines were about, could I be fit enough to get there? And now the start line is like, what is the healthiest and the right choice for all of us as humans? And gathering is not the right choice. So, you know, different adventures with maybe one or two people only. Yeah. I also am mindful that I don't have the strongest lungs. And so if anything were to happen to me and I would end up in a hospital, depending on where the state of COVID is, feels really selfish and unfair. So I've tried to take intensity down. I have tried to do things that I won't trip or wipe out on. I, I mean, not only am I not chasing start lines, I'm like trying very diligently to not be intense, to not injure myself, and to stay out of a hospital for those that need to be there. And I read meditation books. <laughs> that the is first time that my sister has ever been like, Matt, have you read this really cool meditation book? And I almost fell off my chair. I was like, uh, who are you? How <laughs> this Start is amazing. to finish. Start to finish the whole book. And what's so beautiful, and if you've read these books, you know that the work is to just wash the dishes. And when you wash the dishes, just focus on washing the dishes. So mm. now I go for a run and I just focus on going for a run. And I only run. And then I go for a bike ride and I only focus on going for a bike ride. And so I am not alone. There are thousands and thousands of people that do not have access to start lines. And I think it will be the year that changed my relationship with the future and let me live in the moment. There's something beautiful about that because what I'm also seeing is what Priya Parker talks about in her book, Gathering. It's like one of the texts that I will constantly come back to. It's like, why do we gather? What's the actual point of it? And the point of gathering or the purpose of gathering is different than what you do in the gathering. Mm. So a race, a start line, an office, a, a studio, what you do there, you race, you work, you work out. That's not the purpose. That's not why that matters. And I think what we're seeing now is like, I don't miss turf because of their burgers. I could go and order one of their great plant-based patties now for takeout. I miss it because I go in and I see everyone that I know. And it is like the community hub. And I love that. And that's what I miss about that space. I miss studios because laughing and sweating together with people is so fun. And so it's like... I don't care about the physical result. I know how to do that now at, in my home. It's more of like, oh, are we laughing and sweating and looking at each other in the eye being like, can you believe we just did that? Like we accomplished something challenging together. So I think about that, at, you know, if any race directors are out there, it's like, guess what? No one cares about the podium as much as they do as being able to do something together. Completely. And like you can run an ultra marathon on your own and get a best time and all that. But the point of a race, the point of bringing people together is not just what you do there. You know what, bro? The only thing I'll have to say about COVID solo training is the number of people that exist with headphones in. Because now when I'm out in the world, I've never wanted to talk to people more. I just want to say hi to everyone, I, just like a race. And I, it makes me think of just that. The next time that we get together, I will not not cheer for someone up and down a race course, whether I'm racing or not, ever. 
because we're humans and we're out and in that together and you totally nailed it. There's nothing like sweating together and seeing what we can do together. So amen. And the opposite is like one of the things that I'm noticing as well, because, you know, I did our weekly grocery shop and I saw our next door neighbor in our apartment. So like someone that is in our circle and he was getting groceries and I was like, I don't want to like say hi because he had his earphones and I didn't want to like make a scene in the grocery store because everyone's on high alert and high anxiety anyway, making sure we're distancing appropriately. And then I couldn't even go up and like tap him on the shoulder. And I was like, this is, these are so faux pas right now. And I was like, okay, so we're hyper alert of how to keep people physically safe during these times. And I just hope we don't lose the craving of like, consensual touch and a warm hug and uh, yell from across the room that's like, we love you or whatever it is. Like those are the things that um, I'm going to champion once this is all over as well. Dude, high fives and cookies on the side of the road. I've never wanted to give strangers cookies more and they're not getting cookies. (laughs) Oh gosh, we got a wrap. Final question always is what's currently making your heart beat faster? What is making my heart beat faster? My heartbeat is, my heart is beating faster. My book club is still going strong. Year three, and this year we are reading books that are the book that you've always wanted to read, but it's always been on your shelf. So it's like, what's that one book that you said you were going to read? So we're getting through that. And one of the books that we just finished was called Catch and Kill. And it was about the Harvey Weinstein story and all the back end. And I didn't follow it leading up until the trials and uh, the conviction this past year. But like the reason it rocked me was because you just hear about how much power this person had that ruled the system and how many people were working with and for to cover up these hundreds of women who were affected by this. And it was like, hundreds of other people supporting this one man doing horrible, horrible things. And they all knew about it. And it just like made my gut just turn. And so what's making my heart beat faster is like a renewed passion for being like systems like this need to not last through this pandemic. Like it's mm-hmm. time for those to crumble. Amen. I want what's to- making your heart beat faster. Yes, I want to tell you what's making my heart beat faster, that I am really obsessed with the Miracle of Mindfulness book. And I also am really digging Seth Godin on Instagram live. He chimes in once or twice a week. And I'm mindful of where I'm going for inspiration right now. And so it's not Instagram. It's a couple of very specific accounts on Instagram. And I really appreciate what they have to say. It's not every book on my shelf, but it is a couple. And honestly, the third thing that's really making my heart beat faster is Team Corker. I'm so grateful for how we're rallying during this time and we've lost count of what week we're on and I just feel like we're freaking doing it and I'm super grateful for it. So Mm. Zoom or not, classes or not, yoga mats together or not, we are cranking out podcasts, we're filling roles, you are leading online whether you like it or not. (laughs) and let's just keep going shall we let's